Good morning. My name is Mark Curtis. I'm the teaching pastor here at Weddington. Um, feels like it's been forever since I've been with you in this service. Because of my teaching schedule, I often, uh, I'm the high maintenance pastor. Um, they have to schedule everything around me on Sunday mornings as far as uh, who's the worship leader. So it is good to be with you here this morning. Will you pray with me? Holy God, may we receive with joy the words that you have for us this day. Not, not my words, Lord, yours. We need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We all like to receive mail. Not, not bills, not junk mail, but, you know, one of those old-fashioned handwritten letters with a stamp. We like to receive mail, letters. That, that somebody was thinking about us, that somebody took the time to write something out. We, we love receiving mail. And the folks in Philemon's day were, were no different. The folks in Paul's day, Paul wrote letters. His letters make up most of the, what we know as the New Testament. And so Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. Now, Philemon was um, a leader in the church at Colossae. He was a businessman, and apparently he was of some means because he had uh, servants in his household and a house that, that, uh, where the church in Colossae would, would meet. Well-respected member of the community, well-respected uh, in the community of faith, a disciple of Paul himself. Philemon came to Christ through Paul. And so you can only imagine, I mean, as much as we get excited about a letter, I mean, a letter coming from the Apostle Paul, the person who led you to faith. And so we understand from the end of the book of Colossians that two letters arrived. There was a, a book, I mean, a, a letter that we now know as the book of Colossians, and this, the letter to Philemon. Tychus has come from Rome, straight from where Paul is in prison, to hand deliver two letters. So that Sabbath morning, the community of faith there in Colossae was gathered just as we're gathered here this morning. And the excitement. I, I want you to imagine the excitement that the community, the Apostle Paul himself sent not one, two letters with the intention, not that they just be read by Philemon, but they would be read aloud to the congregation. Here now, this letter from Paul. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God, because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now 
also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me in your place so that he might be of service to me during my imprisonment for the gospel, but, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. A brother, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me uh, your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ confident of your obedience. I'm writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. One thing more. Prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. One can only imagine that after hearing this letter read, the air in the room had been sucked out. You could have heard a pin drop. Because everybody knew what Paul was talking about. Onesimus, one of, one of the servants, had run away. He was a runaway slave. And apparently he had somehow wronged Philemon as well and, and probably stolen something to, to have money and resources to, to escape. Everybody in the room knew Philemon and knew Onesimus. And now here Paul was writing to them about this very situation. You could feel the tension and anxiety in the room just go up. How is Philemon going to respond? Under, under Roman law, slaves had absolutely no rights. Under Roman law, Philemon, as a, a, a slave owner, as a servant owner, could have done whatever he wanted with Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway. He had not fulfilled his duty, and so even punishable up to death. Paul, if, if, so under Roman law as well, if a runaway slave is found by someone, so in this case Paul, whoever finds the slave, is, is commanded by law to legally return him to his owner. And for every day that that person keeps the slave is legally bound to repay for any lost income. So in essence, what's, what's going on here is any day 
for any day that Onesimus is under Paul's care, Paul then owes Philemon. And so here, Tychicus, who is one of Paul's fellow servants, his right-hand man, is entrusted with these two letters. Everybody is gathered in anticipation of, of what's in these letters. And I can only imagine, I can only imagine, that as these words are being read aloud, when he says, therefore I am sending him my own heart back to you, Onesimus walks through the back door. Onesimus walks through the door and there is like electricity that goes through the crowd because this is no longer a hypothetical situation. This is no longer what is Philemon going to do. This is in the moment. Philemon is faced with the slave that ran away. Onesimus is faced with his owner who could execute him. This is real. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Philemon? Here you receive this letter from Paul. You're, you're the person who brought you to Christ. The, the person who discipled you has written you a letter. And the first part of the letter is going really well. I hear of your faith. You are a faithful servant. Thank you. Imagine what we can do for Christ together. And then the request. Forgive and receive. Forgive Onesimus, but not only forgive him, take him back. And here's the scandalous part. Not just take him back, receive him as a brother. No longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. I mean, this is scandalous to try and fathom. But... You know, a lot of times we take this from Philemon's perspective. Let's take it from Onesimus' perspective. Here, for whatever reason, Onesimus has fled. Now, we don't know why. We don't know if he stole from him, but obviously he has broken faith and trust. He has is, he is, he is broken his obligation. The, the assumption, my assumption, my opinion is he probably stole something to be able to have currency to make it. But what we do know is that he runs to Rome. Now, this kind of makes sense because if you're a slave and you want to get lost, why not go to the very place where, you know, New York City, where you can become lost in the crowd and you can start a new life. So maybe Onesimus was trying to escape something. We, we don't know. Maybe he just wanted his freedom. But maybe. What if Onesimus is, is not necessarily running from something what if he's running to something we immediately assume that that Onesimus is trying to escape but what if instead he's actually trying to run towards something you can only imagine if he's been a, a servant in the house of Philemon he's heard the gospel you can only imagine that he's heard the name Paul now whether he was a Christian or not before or after he meets Paul, the reality is maybe he, how in the world can a, a slave run away and just happen to run into Paul, who's arrested? What a profound thought to think that he was actually running to Paul. He sought Paul out. 
But not only does he, so not only does he seek Paul out, he becomes what Philemon once was and still is. Did you hear that? And what, what he, he said, he, he has served me in your place. I don't see him as a slave anymore. He's become, not only has he become a co-worker with me, did you, did you hear what he says? My child. I'm sending my own heart back to you. How many people in this world can you say are your own heart? Those aren't words that you just throw around. And, and Paul is not using hyperbole here. He's not just, he is sending his child Onesimus back. When Onesimus walks in that door, he's essentially walking into his death sentence. So as hard as it is for Philemon, imagine what it's like for Onesimus facing the very man who could execute him. Legally. Without a second thought. The leap of faith that Paul is asking both of Philemon and Onesimus is astounding. And the community of faith is right there in the middle of it. How is Philemon going to respond? Roman law is very clear. Philemon held all the power. Onesimus' fate was solely in his master's hand. And Paul is very aware of this dilemma as he writes this letter. Paul himself, as a Roman citizen, knows what the law says. And Paul, Paul knows that he has the authority within the church. I mean, this is Paul, by the way. The New Testament is being written as we speak by Paul. His letters predate the, the, the Gospels. So, I mean, the church is being founded on the words of Paul. Paul. He can appeal to that and just command Philemon. I, Paul, am doing this as an old man. Can you hear what Paul's saying? This isn't the young, vibrant missionary that's been going and traveling all over. He's imprisoned in Rome, and, and whether he realizes it or not, he's just about to be executed. I'm writing this with my own hand. Old and feeble, having been shipwrecked, beaten unto death. Probably his handwriting wasn't that good. Most of these letters were probably dictated to somebody else. But this... This he writes with his own hand. I will repay it. Whatever Onesimus owes you walking in that door, I will repay it. He writes it in his own hand. The aged Paul is standing as an apostle in the church, unquestioned, could have merely commanded Philemon. He could have told Philemon to receive the wayward Onesimus back without question, but he doesn't do that. Paul's focus is on relationship, not the rule of law. Paul makes his appeal on the basis of the love of Christ. Commanding Philemon would have changed the circumstances, but it wouldn't have changed his heart. Relationships have the power to change the world. 
what Paul is asking of Philemon and Onesimus is astronomical. It's scandalous. Both. He's asking both of them to risk their lives. Onesimus is risking his very life by following Paul's instructions to return to his master. Philemon is risking his reputation as a businessman, as a leader in the church, and his own relationship with his family. Not to mention his mentor in the faith, Paul. Does Philemon look upon Paul's request as a demand or an invitation? Paul is inviting Philemon and Onesimus to take a leap of faith, grounding themselves firmly in the reality of the good news of Jesus Christ. This morning, you and I joined the church of Colossae. We're not spectators. We're not just saying, eating popcorn, what's going to happen next? This is cool. We join them. We're there in Colossae. Because the decision set before Philemon and Onesimus was a part of the decision of the house church in Colossae. It's our decision. It's not only how Philemon and Onesimus will respond, how will we respond? The invitation to love, to be in relationship with God and with one another. Does the faith we profess really impact our daily lives and our relationships around us? Not just the easy ones. Not just the easy relationships. Does our faith impact those difficult ones? Anybody got a difficult relationship? Man, y'all are lucky. Nobody? <laughs> Liars. Philemon and Onesimus' decisions were not made in a vacuum. They're made in the context of relationships. And the church plays a role in their decision as well. How? How would the church respond? Would they accept Onesimus back? How would they respond to Philemon? What about everybody else? You know, it's one thing for us to be gathered here and, and, and you know, see this, but what about all those people out there? What are they going to think? Such is the context that we live as we live our daily lives. God's invitation to us is no different than Paul's invitation to Philemon and Onesimus. God sees who we were created to be, not just the world, the way the world sees us. God is not a God of tyranny, but invitation. As the early church father Origen writes, God does not tyrannize, but rules. And when he rules, he does not coerce, but encourages. And he wishes that those under him yield themselves willingly to his direction so that the good of someone may not be according to compulsion, but according to his free will. God so desperately desires to be in relationship with us, so much so that he gave his life for us through the cross. But this gift of grace is not just for our relationship with God alone. It's for us. It's for my relationship with you and your relationship with me. It's intended to transform our relationship with one another as well. This is the radical invitation of the gospel. This is the radical invitation that's set before Onesimus and Philemon. It's the invitation set before us now. Paul's intent in writing this letter is to do so in the spirit of love. 
We can receive it as command. We can receive it as law. That's not the spirit that it's written in. It's in the spirit of invitation and the spirit of Christ's love. The gospel is about relationship. And Paul understands this clearly. In his old age, he's writing this as the reflections of a seasoned saint. You see it in his address to his friends and colleagues in his various letters to the churches. Paul's words reveal just how much he earnestly cared for the people with whom he corresponded. In this letter to Philemon, Paul appeals to his love both for Philemon and Onesimus. As I mentioned, there are very few people in this world that I would refer to as my own heart. These aren't empty words to elicit some emotional response. I don't think that Paul is emotionally manipulating here. I don't think that's what God does. Paul is exhorting Philemon and Onesimus to see one another as Christ sees them. Paul is exhorting the church at Colossae to see one another as Christ sees them. And in the same manner, these words of Paul written 2,000 years ago exhort us to do the same. Not by command, not by law, but out of the transforming love of Christ. This, my friends, is truly the heart of the matter. Will you pray with me? God, so often your words come to us as, as commands. We, we see, thou shalt not and thou shalt. God, all along, you love us. And you desire to be in relationship with us, and we, we just don't get it. We're stubborn, we're stiff-necked, we're prideful. And all the while, we long to be in relationship. We long to know that we are loved. God, grant that we may receive your words as love. Is an invitation to relationship. May it be so, Lord. Amen.